every single day I'm doing what I love. Like I make videos, I run, I lift, I eat food and I just document it and share it with people. Like I couldn't think of anything better. And those are my passions. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's a big misconception of people saying like, yeah, don't pursue your passions. Don't try and make money out of your passions. I I don't know who was telling me that, but I definitely, I'm glad I didn't listen to that. (laughs) Yeah, leaving Wyoming, like that was the biggest thing. <laughs> just getting out of that like home environment, out of like your your norm with friends and family and stuff, and just going to somewhere where you don't know anybody. It's scary, but uh, there's just so much more opportunity, and you you almost get like a fresh start. Not that you need that, but um, just being able to go somewhere where you're like, it's like a blank slate. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. I, I want to get into all that with you. And I feel like we could just do a podcast of us talking, you know, like it's <laughs> yeah. like, like I feel very connected in your presence. I feel like you're yeah. very, you're a very present person. I try to be. Yeah. I can see that. And, and I can feel how tapped in you are. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I, that means like, we're going to have an amazing conversation. I hope so, so. dude. <laughs> you know. I, uh, I, I binged a few of your uh, <laughs> podcast episodes. Yeah. You, you've had some huge guests on. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Huge guests. And also it's like, Every person is a huge guest. Yeah. Like truly. Yeah. Like a lot of people are have that have come on are they have massive followings and like great. Right. Like and that's amazing. Yeah. But what about like the person at the coffee shop? You know, what right. about like just every person you meet? Like that's a big person too. That's a human being. That's, that's a soul living in a human form. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> My immediate assessment is like, oh, this guy has a lot of followers. <laughs> They're a big person. It's like, what? they're just as human as anybody else. Totally. Yeah, it's so strange. And I think I realized that at the start of the journey, but it's yeah. been a deepening and a taking off the pedestal of every person yeah. that was the guy or the girl. It's like, no, that's yeah. just a human. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was in Miami this weekend. Uh, I got invited to this uh, this running event and Jake Paul was there. Mm-hmm. He rolled up with like in these like big black Suburbans and like had bodyguards rolling with him. And everybody starts taking their phones out, taking videos and pictures. And I'm like, maybe it's because I'm not a big Jake Paul fan. Like, I, I just don't follow him that closely. And, uh, but I was just like, he's just a person. Like, I don't really f- understand the obsession with with a person like that. Um, especially if it's like an influencer. If it's, I mean, I don't know, take it as you will. I don't, I don't know how much Jake Paul is like, I don't follow him that closely. But he's not like, you know, Obama. Right. <laughs> or like, right. you know, like... Uh, I don't know, Gandhi or something. Like somebody like doing really positive, like profound things maybe he is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I see him as like an influencer. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, just the the worship of other human beings is a- In general. In general is yeah. a game that leads to a feeling of discontent. Yeah. And you, the closer you get, like I love everyone I've interviewed. I love, and the closer you get to it, the more you realize it's a human being. Right. And- also, they're a person worth admiring. And also, they're a person that's just a person. So, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So, they're big people on the show also. Yeah. Little people on the show. You know, because if you're going to call people big, right? That <laughs> right. Like what you're implying you're that comparing. some are small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. That's so true. But it's okay. Yeah. You know? I, I, again, it's, it's social media. Like, yeah. the follower count is so closely linked with- Your worth as a human. With your worth, which is so sad. Yeah. I think about this a lot, actually. Yeah, how have you navigated through oh, that? Oh, dude, because before I started making personal content, like, I thought about this like, a few months ago, like, once my, my following started growing, yeah. I was like, 
I meet people in person, they treat you differently. If you have really? 100,000 Instagram followers, they, they just do. Like, it's a fact. They, they want to take a picture with you. They talk to you differently. And I'm like, if I was the same exact person, but I had 4,000 followers like I did a year ago, you wouldn't be talking to me like this. It's like, like I, I appreciate it because it's like they look up to me. Um, but it's just so weird that it's that number is just so connected with people's perceptions. Yeah. What does that reflect in human nature? See, I don't know. Maybe, uh, I think, and you know, everybody says like comparisons a thief of joy, but I think it's, it's a human trait to want to compare. And so if you're always comparing this person to this person, like, I mean, Instagram or social platforms are, uh, it's like your business card. It's like your, your most outward facing portfolio to the world. And so if that's the only thing you know about somebody is how many followers they have. It's like, if somebody has more for some reason, subconsciously it feels like you should care more about them maybe hmm. because this many other people are caring about them that kind of thing i don't know it's interesting yeah i are we rolling or are we just shoot, i don't shit? know okay. i don't know like this is good stuff okay we could use this video king okay. pablo like, i love this man already <laughs> like, i'll talk too much no that's a wonderful thing um yeah i just the purpose of this podcast is to really get to know the human side of the person so like, this is all amazing stuff that I feel like could be used because I, I want people to to really understand, like, I'm just a regular guy. Yeah. And by regular guy, I'm just living on this floating rocket space, trying to make the most out of all this experience. And I've tried to make a lot of money and I've tried to gain a lot of followers and I've tried to grow the podcast as my reason for being. And I've tried to drink and smoke and party. And it's like, okay, like what I found is love. Love for humans, love for self, love for all of the beautiful creation that is. And that has led to the most peace and fulfillment and the greatest life. And I want to show that side of other human beings to the best of my ability by asking them questions. Yeah. That's powerful. Right? Dude, I think I think the best thing people can do is just try. Like, like you said, you tried making money, you tried podcasting, you tried doing all these different things. But uh, I think the only way to like find out what you want to do is just by trying a bunch of different things. And you're probably going to find more about what you don't like than what you actually do like through that process. Yeah. It's, it's just like a process of elimination, basically. So what were your paths? What what paths were the most unfulfilling and the most fulfilling to mm. you? I mean, I think the most like obvious and cliche one is trying to make money. Like, I, I think money can get a bad rap sometimes because it is like freedom. And I think freedom is one of the most powerful things you can have. Freedom of your time, uh, freedom to just do what you want. Uh, but obviously money can also be really evil, I think. And, and if that's your your sole motivator is just to make as much money as possible. Like, I mean, you could do that. Like you can go scam people all the time and, and just make a bunch of money. But that's, uh, I, I don't, like, I don't know what benefit that's providing the world by making a bunch of money. Um, so I think I've definitely had that mindset before. Of like, okay, how do I just make as much money as possible? And it's like, it might work in the short term. You might make some money, but it's, again, you're not providing any value to anybody other than yourself. And at the end of the day, like, if the only person you're impacting positively is yourself, then like, are you like, what's the point of that? I guess. So, yeah, I think that, um, I, I mean, I've tried so many different things. Like I used to do freelance photo and video mm. and I would do like real estate stuff and wedding videos and, uh, it was fun, but it, it didn't feel very fulfilling to me because I think maybe the the impact it had was so small. Uh, 
and it's like, yes, there is an impact, like helping a realtor sell a house or helping somebody sell their house by shooting a nice edited video for them. They can post online, but like, I feel like I can have way more impact than that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not scalable in terms of impact. And so that's been the, the biggest motivator for me is like, okay, how can I spend my time the most efficiently so that I can impact the most amount of people? Like, like per unit of my output, basically. Uh, and that's where I've kind of ended up now is like with social media, I can post a video and instantly like tens of thousands of people can see it, if not millions. So um, yeah, that's that's where I've kind of gone down is just, uh, that's a path I've gone down is just trying to impact as many people as possible. And so it started small. Like I had a blog for a couple of years that I think it maybe reached like a hundred subscribers, but I'd spend a couple hours a week crafting this like really nicely written blog. But I was like, only a hundred people are reading it. Okay, that's a hundred people, more than more than zero, but uh, there's gotta be a better way to have more impact on people. And so that's where social media and, and like the, the scalability of video and photo content, I think can, can come into play. Yeah, what happened with the blog? Oh, I just stopped doing it <laughs> because, because- Why'd I, you start it? Um, I started it- uh, I, I got really into like self-improvement books and and just really obsessed with reading. So I would I'd spend like three or four hours a day reading these self-improvement books. And I every time I pick up a book and start reading it, I'm like, man, I feel like I kind of inherently have a lot of these thoughts, but these people are just really good at putting it into words and, and putting it um, like coherently on paper. So I was like, what if I tried to take some of my thoughts that I have, uh, they could probably be deemed as self-improvement and put that into the form of a, vlo- uh, a blog. And uh, so I did that. It was maybe, I'd have to look back how many how many iterations I did, maybe like 60. So I did it for like, I think close to a year. Um, but again, it just didn't grow because I, I think my justification was like, oh, who reads blogs anymore? Which might have some truth to it, but I'm sure there's a way to scale a blog. But uh, I, I just showed up and did it every, every day or every week basically for like a year and it didn't really grow that much. Um, and that's where I realized, okay, I could take kind of these same ideas that I have and just put it in a different format. So that's when I started doing just more social media content, more video content, because I think that's where everybody's attention is at. Like blogs, yes, you can probably scale a blog up, but it's probably harder than it was 10 years ago because there's so many more efficient forms of media than a blog. So it's kind of just weighing those options, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's it's an interesting thing, like keeping your eyes open to the possibilities that exist right. and where the world is going and saying, oh, I don't think my time is best spent podcasting right now. It should be something else. My time is best spent doing this instead of this and and balancing that versus how much you enjoy doing it yourself and how much of the enjoyment comes from yeah. other people enjoying it. And that's okay too. And it's like this balance that we're all doing really. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best ways I've heard that summed up is uh, I had a guy on my podcast a few weeks ago and he's like, think of life in three chunks like the first chunk is uh things that we all have to do like you gotta go to the bathroom you gotta eat you gotta sleep uh the next section would be time spent doing things you don't like doing so it's like do i really like sending emails for an hour a day probably not but i have to do it to to get through uh and then the third section would be things you enjoy doing and it's like how do you maximize the time of things you enjoy doing and minimize the time of things you don't enjoy doing. It's such a simple concept, but uh, like if you put it into those three buckets, I feel like that it's just a really easy way to, to comprehend it. And, uh, and just every time you get to a point where you have to make a decision in something like, okay, is this something that I enjoy doing? Uh, then yeah, then do more of it. Um, and I think 
when I when I first started getting into like entrepreneurship, I always heard people say like, don't pursue your passion because you don't want to turn your passion into the way you make money because then it's not going to become your passion anymore. But that was probably the worst advice I'd ever heard <laughs> because every single day I'm doing what I love. Like I make videos, I run, I lift, I eat food and I just document it and share it with people. Like I couldn't think of anything better to, and those are my passions. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's a big misconception of people saying like, yeah, don't pursue your passions. Don't try and make money out of your passions. I, I don't know who was telling me that, but I definitely, I'm glad I didn't listen to them <laughs> because literally every day, like it never feels like work. I mean, there's always going to be some things you have to do, uh, or at least right now there's things I have to do that I don't necessarily love, like sending emails or replying to text messages or, or like the things that aren't like really moving the needle forward necessarily, but they're kind of those necessities. Um, but yeah, just trying to spend as much time doing things that you enjoy, I think is kind of the, the key to life. Yeah, absolutely. And how can you reframe the emails and the texts to be things you enjoy? Mm, I haven't figured that out yet. So one thing that comes to mind for me is you're communicating when right. you're communicating with people through text and emails. And what do you do when you send a message out on social media? You're communicating. That's true. So you're getting better at the act of communication. And if you're getting better at the act of communication... That's for me is when I'm in my joy, when I'm getting better at the act of right. spreading the things that are in my heart and mind to the world. Right. And I get to do that personally one-on-one. -on -one, and I get to do that at a wide scale through the podcast and through tweets and through, it's like, what a blessing both times. Right. Not One's not a waste of time. That's true. Right? One, <laughs> yeah. One's not something right. I don't like, it's both using the skill, but that right. takes reframing it to a, a yeah, broader perspective. Just a perspective shift, basically. Yeah. It's like, like I, I get to do this. I don't have to do it. Sure. Like, I get to send emails every day. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you actually believe that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather send emails than like, you know, go, go, uh, dump people's garbage or something. <laughs> like, I mean, it's all about perspective, right? Yeah. And you have found a way to do some incredible feats, like running a marathon under three hours. You're doing five five minute mile and a 500 pound deadlift on the same day. Like you're an absolute beast. You found a way to do the things that people listening right now are saying, I don't want to do that. And you found a way to do that and enjoy doing that and posting about it and sharing it. So have you gone about doing that? Yeah. I, uh, I've always been drawn to the like physical side of things. Um, I played sports growing up, hockey and, and baseball were the two main sports. And I think every kid's dream is to play sports professionally. But uh, I, I don't think I was good enough, didn't have the skills or, or really now looking back, I don't think I put in the work required to, to get there. Like one of my, <laughs> one of my best stories from, from growing up playing hockey is like one of my good friends and I, we were both on the JV team our freshman year. And uh, by the time I was a senior, we were both seniors in high school, he was getting like recruited from like D1 colleges and I was getting no calls or anything. And so... Uh, he ended up playing D1 for West Point for for Army, and uh, I didn't go anywhere for hockey. And and the biggest difference was he would show up earliest to practice. He'd stay later. He'd work out on the weekends. We only had like three team practices a week, so he would go outside of those hours and practice and, and do all this stuff outside of the required uh, time that, that the team had. And uh, that was the biggest difference. And like, I always thought back then I was like, oh, he's just got more skill than, than I have. He just developed quicker than me. He's bigger than me, whatever. But I learned that no, he just showed up more than I did. Like he just put in more work. And so uh, going back to what I was saying, <laughs> my dream was always to play professionally. And I think at the time I didn't think I had the skills and I probably didn't have the skills, but as a result of just not showing up as much as I should have probably and, and putting in the work that's required to actually get to that next level. So um, 
I, I always loved sports growing up, basically. And uh, that was always the dream to play professionally. But after I got through high school, went to college and stuff, um, I feel like that kind of slipped away. I would, I would go to the gym a few times a week. Didn't run at all. I always hated running. Uh, I would go to the gym just like unintentionally, like just go with, lift some weights, do some machines. Didn't have any real purpose with it. And then um, when I moved to uh, Hawaii with my girlfriend. We did an exchange program over there. And <clears throat> I heard uh, David Goggins on on the Joe Rogan podcast. And I was like, who is this guy? This guy's crazy. He did 100 miles without training. He just like showed up and did it. And uh, at the time, I, I felt like just sort of lost. I, I didn't really love the degree I was pursuing. I didn't like have any <clears throat> ambitions like physically, like to run a race or to hit a certain weight or anything like that in the gym. So I was just like kind of floating around, not really doing much. How old were you for college? I was uh, 20, 21. So this is like five years ago, roughly. Um, and it, my parents had like gone through this real nasty divorce and all this stuff. And so I was just like floating in space, basically not really doing a whole lot. And uh, I was like, man, this David Goggins guy is pretty crazy. Like, it seemed, and just hearing him talk about how he used running to get out of his rut, like if you know anything about his story, he's got a crazy childhood and had all these hardships. He was overweight, all this stuff, but he used running and, and fitness to work through those and build confidence and be able to to use this tangible thing to to grow yourself and, and grow your mindset. And so I was like, okay, maybe I'll try running because this worked for this guy. So why couldn't it work for me? And uh, I just started running a mile a day, basically. The only baseline I had for running knowledge was I did a mile in seventh grade. It took me like seven minutes and 12 seconds, I remember. And Very so, specific. Yeah. I, I was just like locked in my head because that's the only time I ever ran a mile ever. I was like, okay, seven twelve. Okay. As long as I can beat my seventh grade self as a 21-year-old, <laughs> maybe I'm doing something right. And so I, uh, I just started running a mile a day. And then after like six months of that, I plateaued, obviously, because that's not how you train running. I now know. Um, I figured out, okay, if I want to run farther, if I want to get a little bit faster, I got to, I got to train properly and slow down. I need to learn how to do heart, like heart rate training, how to fuel for runs. Um, and so that was the first couple of years of running was just kind of that learning process, watching videos on YouTube, um, reading books, just like digesting as much information I could about running basically. And, uh, and then my first race I ever did was a, uh, uh, 12 hour endurance challenge through the mountains in Wyoming. So you had... 12 hours to run as many miles as you could. And it was around this eight mile loop through the mountains. And I remember hearing Goggins is like, okay, well I did hundred miles in like 24 hours. So I was like, okay, I have 12 hours. Maybe I can do like 50 miles. This is sensible, I guess. And so, uh, I ended up doing 43. I like hurt my knee in the process of it. So I made it 43 miles, um, for my first ever race, which was cool. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of a roundabout way of, of how I got into running and, and going from playing sports growing up, always having that ambition to to play sports post school and and maybe do it professionally um to that first race at least and there's been a ton that's happened since that first race to now but um that's kind of from point a to point b i guess it's so cool for you to describe that transition because you are now serving as the same mentor that david goggins once did i'm in i'm in memphis running my first marathon with my friend zach pograb and he's like okay well Jeremy Miller said to do this on the podcast, fueling this way and and drink this much electrolytes. This is what he did for his 100 mile race. And this is what we need to do. 
And I'm like, who's this Jeremy Miller guy? Like, where? when did he become the, the all-knowing source for everything? And now after meeting him, I'm like, yeah, I, I understand what he's talking about. That's so funny. And, and so you've gone from this place of not knowing anything about running other than David Goggins is the man and I can run a 7-12 mile and I'm just trying to beat that to now you're serving as the role model and inspiration and the help for people around the world to start their running journey. How does that feel? Uh, it doesn't sound real. Well, it's real because <laughs> I lived it. Yeah. I was in that hotel room with Zach being like, dude, Jeremy said, you know, we need this before the race. Try this, do this. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Whatever Jeremy says goes. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, it's definitely imposter syndrome, like for sure. I, I think imposter syndrome is so real. And uh, it might even be dumbed down to just like, I don't know if like insecure or just like lack of confidence maybe because- Yeah, imposter syndrome, just insecurity. What are you insecure about, bro? Uh, dude, I don't know. That's the thing is I, I feel like I'm always working through that. Like even to this day, I, I think that was like a big motivation for me to like get into running and and to try and figure this out because I, I was always insecure of like, oh, I got I to gotta be better than this guy or be better than that guy. And I got to prove people that I can do this. I think that was <clears throat> maybe the uh, the original inspiration, but- maybe a little bit now of like, I mean, it feels good to, to set a goal and go out and crush it. And like people acknowledge it. I think there's some, some value and power in that, but, uh, yeah, the imposter syndrome is real. Um, I, I don't know if I can necessarily pin it to like a specific thing other than just, just how I feel. I don't know. I, I think, um, part of it, I don't talk about this a whole lot, but like, uh, growing up, like my dad, I did not have a great relationship with my dad. Like he's always, just kind of different and weird. And uh, I didn't realize it till I got to like high school and college and my friends would be like, dude, your dad's kind of weird. Like, is he okay? <laughs> and I, as I was, when I was old enough to like see it for myself, I was like, man, he's an odd guy. Like, and there's a whole other story there, but I think that has always been kind of a subconscious thing of like, oh, if like my parent is weird, then I probably got this weird trait from him too. So like, there's probably something wrong with me. If like other people think this guy's weird and I probably got his genes, like, am I weird too? And so I think maybe that could be a source and still like something I think about to this day, honestly, is, is, uh, like just almost proving to people that like, oh, I'm just a normal guy, just like everybody else. Like I want to do the things you do and, 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 um, just be like everybody else, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't talk about that a whole lot, but um, I think that's probably a source of maybe some of the imposter syndrome. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. And and what would it look like to fully accept your dad for his weirdness? Oh, I don't know. Um, dude, this could be a whole podcast on itself. <laughs> that, that's what we do here. Yeah. Um, and by the way, we could cut yeah, anything you yeah. want out of this and- I'm completely content, not even publishing the episode. If oh, you'd no, like, no, I'm, I know. Or, or cutting specific sections. Like I usually say that in the beginning, but we just no. connected and started rolling. So I wanted to let you know that. Yeah. No, I mean- It's I, a safe space. I do my podcast. Like, I mean, people want to cut stuff out. They can, but nobody ever asks. Right. And it's, I, I like, I love the conversational aspect and just letting it flow and, and be unedited. Because uh, I think it's more vulnerable and it's like, more relatable for the audience too. Um, truth. And it's truth. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you're not, you don't need to hide anything. Um, yeah, that's, forgiveness is a tough thing because especially if it's, if it's that like resentment is rooted in such negativity, like, like just really strong feelings. It's hard to let those go. Like humans are emotional creatures. And when you have such powerful, especially negative emotions towards something or somebody, it's so hard to let that go. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm coming around. I don't know if forgiveness is the right word, but maybe just more like acceptance of like, 
it is the way it is. Like, I think we're all dealt a different hand in life. Like some people, you know, they're born with parents that have a lot of money and they have a nice house and cars and all this stuff. And other people are born into like poverty. Like I'm, I'm glad I wasn't born into like poverty. Like financially we were always okay. Um, but you know, other things might've been lacking, but, uh, yeah, it's just like taking the hand you were given and, and how do you play that hand? Like, how do you respond to it? Like, I think, I think the number one most powerful thing that each of us possess in life is just the power of choice. Like our life really is just a a sum of all the choices that we make, the decisions that we make on a daily basis. And so each decision that you make has an effect either in a positive or negative direction or a left or right. And uh, it's just after a series of those, you end up wherever you're at now. And so that's the way I've taken it is like, maybe I wasn't dealt the best hand. And I don't think anybody is dealt uh, the ideal hand, otherwise we wouldn't be human, but it's just, how do you play that hand? And how do you, how do you navigate, um, all these decisions and, and choices that you have in life? So I would say more acceptance rather than forgiveness. Yeah. Before we can forgive someone, we have to accept where they're at. Right. It's like the five stages of grief, maybe. <laughs> and, and before <laughs> yeah. we can love someone, we first need to forgive. Right. So if you want to move through that pyramid and heal yourself, you need to go through, have the courage to be willing to accept, then forgive, right. then love somebody. Right. And if you live in the anger, the fear, the resentment, that that you're actually holding on to that yourself. And that is coming through and for you, small ways, but not like you can't really tell. But imagine if if you hated your dad right now or really disliked him, that would have to come through in the podcast. Yeah. That would have to come through in every interaction in some way. That's so true. It's like what goes in must come out, I guess. It's like whatever, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's all like energy. Like it might, it might sound kind of woo-woo, I guess. But the, the older I get, the more I realize like energy is such a real thing. Like even in this room, like you can feel a little energy. Like when I, when I came in, it's like you get a sense of, of somebody's presence, I think. Uh, and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not as good. But uh, like the universe, there, I feel like there's always some, again, this sounds a little out there but i think there's some there's some like other energy presence that we don't really see but we can feel it and uh and just leaning into that and like trying to make your energy and your output to the world as positive as possible and it i think it it just comes back to you as it comes back to you as much as you put out i think it's like it's like the law of attraction essentially it's like if you're consistently putting out positive vibes and positive energy to the people around you and to the world it just comes back to you tenfold And how do you get to that place? You get to that place by letting go of everything that you hold resentment, fear, anger towards. You let go of your insecurities, your insufficiencies, your inadequacies, your, I wish the world would have been like this so that I could be happy. You let go of all that. What the natural unfoldment is, is love. Yeah. That's good. Dude, this feels like a therapy session. (laughs) We're going to use that for the intro. (laughs) Have you considered being a therapist? Yeah. I mean, you kind of are as a podcast host. <laughs> yeah. I, I've i been starting coaching people. That's been really helpful That's cool. to help their, their own freedom. And I've just, this is, this is what I'm here to do. Yeah. Help give people more love and acceptance for themselves. And so, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's the most important thing we can do. And I was curious for, for you and your story, how has running helped you transcend oh. your own suffering and your own inadequacies and insufficiencies? Yeah. Oh, it's, I think it's been like the the one thing that that's helped me get to where I'm at today in, in all aspects of life. 
Um, I think running is that one common thread just because it's it's such a, a tangible way to see your own mental growth and like your own mental strength. Uh, because like when I first started running, I would do a mile a day and that seven minutes I would run. It's, I mean, seven minutes out of 24 hours is such a tiny fraction. If you think of seven minutes on, on the scale of life, I mean, that's so small, but it felt like forever. That seven minutes of running a mile, oh my gosh, this feels like forever. And then when I started progressing to like three to four miles a day, and I would come home and I told Bree, my fiance, I'd be like, I just ran four miles. Like, do you know how long I was gone? She's like, I, you just left like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> I'm like, it felt like forever ago. It felt like a marathon. Uh, it's just like you learn patience and you learn how to just be comfortable with with discomfort, essentially. And uh, like everyday life, like, you're not going to always feel good 100% of the time. You're not going to you're not going to have a good day every single day. You're not going to have like a perfect day. It's just not going to happen. So, uh using things like running as a tool to understand okay, we're not going to feel good all the time, but it's okay cuz we're still going to get through it. It's going to be over with at some point. Uh like a run, for example, like if it's a 10-mile run and you're 30 minutes in, you probably want to quit a lot of times. It's like this sucks. Why am I out here doing this? But I just remind myself like okay, it's not going to feel like this forever. At some point, it's going to be over. It's going to feel good. Uh, even And then, you know, 30 minutes later, you're at mile seven or eight. You feel good again. It's like this roller coaster of, of emotions. And so running has taught me all of that. I, I think one of the biggest things is patience. It's just being able to, I, I, don't, I don't run with music or headphones or podcasts or anything. So it's literally just nothing but myself and my thoughts. And uh, that's taught me so much patience because I'm such an impatient person. Uh, on a daily basis. And, and that's just really allowed me to like slow down and just be okay to be in my own thoughts and like be in my own head and have that solitude. And like my best ideas always come when I'm out for a run just by myself, just thinking. And um, yeah, I mean, dude, this could be a whole nother podcast just talking about the, the, the benefits of, of running from a mental side of things. Uh, yeah. Running has never been like for the physical side. It's, it's a byproduct, I think, but it's always, just get out for a run because I know I'm going to feel better afterwards. I'm going to be able to think through things and, and have more clarity. It's meditative. Very, very it's, meditative. There's so many ideas that come about and you start thinking like, how did I go my entire life without this form of meditation? Yeah. What was your decision not to wear headphones or or not have any stimulus coming in? Because I really think that's an important piece yeah. that I've also done. And it's it's made it feel like talking to God. On yeah, runs. Yeah. Uh, I used to have to wear headphones to get through a run. Wow. Like it, whether it was a mile or 10 miles, like I would have to get my AirPods in and have to put on either like a David Goggins podcast, hear him call me a bitch in my ear or something, <laughs> or I'd have to put on some like, some like screamo death metal music and like, oh, we got to get through this run. But uh, I was training for my first half marathon and I read in the, in like the race description that you're not allowed to wear headphones for safety reasons. And I was like, shoot, if I can't wear headphones during the race, like I want to practice how I'm going to play. I remember that from sports of like, if I can't wear headphones during the race, then I probably shouldn't train with them. So I took my headphones out during a training run and uh, I never went back basically because I was like, this is actually pretty nice. Like you can just think. At first it was harder, I remember, like, because you had to be more present and be uh, more in tune with the run itself instead of kind of letting your mind drift. But once I did that first run without headphones, I was like, man, I don't think I can ever go back. And so, so yeah, since then I've, I've never 
worn headphones. Um, I've tried those like Shox headphones. You've mm-hmm. seen those like the open ear ones. They sent me a pair and I tried them out and it was okay. But I just, I, I felt like it was like, it took away the aspect of running that I like, which is the meditative aspect. And like, even this morning, like I felt like crap when I woke up. I was like, oh, I'm so tired. I just got back from traveling. I don't really want to go run, but I know it's gonna make me feel better. And I went for a run, 45 minutes, came back. I felt great. I got energy. My head's clear. I'm ready to like do stuff throughout the day. So I think if I have music, it kind of takes that away. But I, I want to encourage people to like, you don't have to run without headphones. Like just do it, do what works for you. If, if I know some people, they say that the music is meditative for them. Like, and you can put on literal meditation music uh, while you're running and that that's fine for you. It's just using running uh, however is best for you, obviously. So that's just what works for me. Yeah, there are people listening to this right now while running. 100%. And that's amazing. Keep the podcast on or turn it off. Whatever works for you. Yeah. Like life is great either way. Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh. Yeah, I, th- I think when I started my podcast, I think the majority of people probably listen while they're out for a run. Um, and, and there's value to that too. Cause like, I mean, it's multitasking. It makes sense. It's like kill two birds with one stone. Like go for a run, make sure you're healthy, make sure you're in shape, get some exercise in, get some like mental exercise in through listening to a podcast, get some education of some sort or entertainment. So yeah, I, I just, for me, the like solitude that I get on a daily basis comes from running. Um, and that's maybe something I encourage people is like, if, if you, if you feel like you have to listen to music while you run or a podcast or something, then make sure you dedicate some other portion of your day to solitude and just whether it's five minutes or an hour, just have some portion of your day with no stimulus other than your thoughts. I think that's really important. Why is that so difficult today more than ever? I think just social media and and our phones and technology, like we're, we're just so surrounded by stimulus all the time. And I think it's overwhelming for our brains. Like we've still got monkey brains, the, the same brains we had, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, really. And and I don't, I think our technology's evolved so much, but our brains haven't. And so it's just overwhelming. And I, and I think that, you know, there's a number of reasons why, you know, obesity rates are up and, and mental disorders are up and all these different issues that people have, especially Americans, but whether it's diet or lack of exercise or whatever. But I think we're also spending more times on more time on technology than ever before. And so I think there's a correlation with that as well. It's just, just not spending too much mental energy on, on a device or on technology, because I think we have, we have so much bandwidth mentally that we can use every day. And if you're wasting it scrolling and consuming all this information, you're probably not going to remember by tomorrow. It's like, what's the point of that? It's uh, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I think everybody is, but just being intentional and being aware of it, and and trying to carve out some section of your day each each day to to have some sort of solitude and and release from that because otherwise I feel like you just get caught in this like a like a, a hamster wheel yeah of just like you're just going through the motions every single day and you're not making any time to actually like grow or do anything because you're just always distracted by something yeah no time to just be right? yeah like I meditation is so important for me of just nothingness. Do you do like dedicated meditation? Dedicated in that it's 20 minute timer, just turn it on when I wake up and just be. And then sometimes if I have a lot of calls or meetings, just in between. Nice. As, as soon well. as you wake up? Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Just really peaceful. I used to be really good about not being on my phone as soon as I woke up. As soon as I woke up, I've been bad about it lately. I, th- I think a lot of it 
has been since I started doing more personal content because I'm always so eager to get on there and see oh, what what new comments do we have? How many followers did we get last night? How many likes did we get? How many video? How many views is this video at? And, and I, it's like that's almost the first thing I, I think about when I wake up. And it's probably not the healthiest thing. It's fine. Yeah. What's wrong with that? I don't know. I my fiance told me this saying the other day. She had heard somewhere. It's like, however you start your day is like how the rest of your day is going to go. If you start your day with first thing you do is grab your phone, looking at how many views you got, that's probably what you're going to be thinking about the rest of the day too. And I don't know if I want to think about that all day. Yeah. Whereas if you, like what you say you do is, is spend 20 minutes meditating, just thinking about whatever comes to your head first 20 minutes of the day, then that might be a little bit better than just thinking about views and likes all day. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, listen, you, it's different seasons for different things in life. I told you about all the seasons that I've been through and right. it's it's the judgment of the fact that I did this first thing in the day and how could I, and I'm so guilty of this. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously that's not, you're not to that extreme, but right. it's the idea of like, what if it was perfect just the way it is? Yeah, that's true. I mean, if, if, if it, if it works, I mean, you're growing on social media and you're getting all these views and followers and it's exciting time and it's wonderful and people are connecting with you and Jake Paul's in your DMs and people, no, I'm, yeah. I just made that part <laughs> up. But it's just like, if that is the case, then let that be the case, you know? And yeah. and fully, fully embrace. And that doesn't mean you can't be a present person. But dude, you're, you're an incredibly present person. You're with me a hundred percent. You're here. And so like, that doesn't, you can check your phone first thing in the day. And also be a present person. It's not one or the other, baby. That's true. You could have That's both. True. Yeah, I like that. It's it's not mutually exclusive. Um, I said something in there that, that resonated. Uh, oh, like I, I used to read, um, I read this book called The 5 A.M. Club by Robert, Robin Sharma. Have you heard of that? Mm -hmm. And uh, I told myself when I was reading that, this was like four or five years ago. I was like, I'm going to be in the 5 a.m. club the rest of my life. I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. every day. This is like the new me forever. And then it worked for like a year or two. And then I found that like my sleep was lacking because I'd, I'd have like a family thing or I'd have something going on and I couldn't get to bed till 10 or 11 p.m. So I'd only get like five or six hours of sleep. And I'm like, okay, that's not sustainable. So I had to let that go. But a lot of it was just like, it's a season of life you're in. Like the season of life I was in when I was waking up at 5 a.m. every day, I was trying to figure things out. I, I needed that like extra hour in the day to do something in the morning by myself or whatever it was. And uh, and I always have to remind myself that because sometimes I get in my head of like, oh, I'm such a piece of crap. I, I don't wake up at 5 a.m. and I wake up at like 6.30. What's wrong with me, dude? I used to be so good. But I have to tell myself like, it's just a season of life. Like that's what worked for me back then. I've changed, I've grown, I've, I do things differently now. Uh, and just because it worked back then doesn't mean it's going to work now. So that, that was a hard thing. That's specifically the like 5 a.m. thing because it is a, it's a flex to tell people you wake up at 5 a.m. every day. But like if you work a night shift as like a nurse, like that's not going to work obviously. And so you have to just find that thing that works for you and it's probably always going to be changing and evolving. It's only a flex if the people that you're talking to value it and you value your identity as yeah, that. Yeah. Meaning if you have a orange car, some for some people that's a flex. For other people, they're like, Great, you have an orange car. Right. What if what if the five AM club for me, the five AM club is the orange car. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Don't think any differently of you. Right. The fact that you got an extra hour and a half. I think it's amazing if you love that and that's for you. And also I just want you to be at peace and happy. And whatever makes you feel that way is great. Right. And if that's flexing that you're a 5 a.m., <laughs> yeah. I'm happy for you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
That's uh, that's pretty spot on. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I like you said that it's just whatever people value. Like, I read this book. Um, it's called Psycho Cybernetics. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, it's dude. Nobody book. ever knows about that one. Uh, by Maxwell Maltz. Yeah. yeah, he wrote that in like the fifties, which is pretty incredible. But, um, surgeon, dude. Yeah, I think that's one of the like most powerful mental strength type of books, and and like uh like psychological types of books I've ever read just because it's it's like a more scientific approach to the law of attraction. It's like whatever you give value to, that's what you're going to believe and that's what you're going to intake. Um, it's like, say, say you uh, scroll on your phone and you watch like a bunch of news articles, like you're giving value and attention to that. And that's what you're going to absorb. That's what you're going to become basically. But it's only, it's just basically wherever you're spending your attention, like our, our attention is so finite. And uh, you have to choose wisely where you're going to spend that. And I think attention is just what you value, basically. And and you basically become a result of the things you give attention to, if that kind of makes sense. Like, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, like if you give attention to your fitness, you're spending, you know, your your valuable fitness or your valuable attention units on your fitness every day. Like you're probably going to become a healthy, fit person. If you spend your your attention units on like a good diet, then you're going to probably be a healthier person because you have a good diet. Like, I don't know. I'm thinking through that in the moment, but hopefully that made sense. It absolutely makes sense. And it's so true that what we give attention grows. Exactly. And that's why I attempt to the best of my abilities to try to point people towards love and light. Yeah. Because those two things, love and light, have been the most fulfilling out of everything I've tried. And different things can get you to love and light right? Running can get you to love and light, but it also can get you to pain and suffering as well. If that is the focus of your run, it's like, I'm going to suffer as much as I possibly can. Okay. Then you're going to get to a darker place versus the same run could be, I am hoping to get to the most love and light because I'm going to wish every person that I pass a little bit of love and kindness. And I wish them peace. That's right? such a good point. Like you can make so many different yeah. activities. This two different ends of the spectrum. And so the real gift in life is to have your attention focused on love, light, God, because those things are, they fuel you with so much yeah. and give you so many blessings. Oh, dude, I'm actually so glad you, you said that because that's how I used to treat running was, and it, it might've came from the like Goggins kind of mindset of like, this is hard, this is suffering. Like, don't be a little bitch who's gonna carry the boats, like that kind of thing. And that's what I thought running was, was like, I have to go out and freaking like torture myself every day. Uh, and it, again, it, at the time it got me through it. Like it got me through a four mile run. Uh, and like, I remember my first, that, that 43 mile run I did to the mountains, the like 12 hour run. Uh, I told my friend that was doing it with me. I was like, we're doing this because it's going to suck. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> what? Like again, it got us 43 miles, but like, it wasn't very enjoyable because the whole time we're like, Oh, this is hard. Like we're so hard for doing this. But now, like, I would go do the same race and it'd probably be a very different perspective and, like, a very different experience because I'm like, oh, I'm out here because I can learn something about myself because I can, I can find something out about my own consciousness that I couldn't if I just sat on the couch all day. And so, like, just, again, reframing it, a different perspective of, like, I'm not out here to suffer. I'm out here to learn something or I'm out here to make myself better. So you're still doing the same thing. Like you said, it's like, Two, different, two, two of the same activities, but different approaches to them. And I wonder if you would have gone further than 43 miles 
had you been thinking about, I'm doing this because I love my potential. I love where I can go and I love inspiring people by virtue of my performance. Yeah. I almost guarantee I, w- I would have went further. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a, an, such a fascinating insight into our minds and our bodies and how connected they are based on what we focus on? Yeah. Yeah. It's just this, it's like this energy thing. It's like you put that good vibes, the, uh, the, the good energy into it, like you're going to get more good energy out of it, I think. Yeah. What was the shift for you from turning, going into the pain mm. to now focusing more on what you can learn and the light? It's a good question. Um, I don't know if it was like a specific thing necessarily, like a specific like turning point, but I think just doing it more and like getting getting used to running. Like 10 miles used to seem so far. Like I remember my first 10 mile run, I had like gels, I had water bottles. I, I had a podcast in obviously. Uh, I felt like I was out there for so long. It's probably like an hour, hour and a half maybe. But uh, now I go do 10 miles and like not even really think much about it. And so I, I think a lot of it is just kind of building up that that like callous to it basically and just getting used to doing it. Um, and it, it kind of like I did it so much that it didn't feel like suffering anymore. So maybe it's just like exposure to it is like you just do it over and over and over again. You, you kind of get numb to what the discomfort is of running 10 miles. So um, I think a lot of that, a lot of it was just like doing it so much that it, I became numb to it, I think. So that's from the running aspect. What about yeah. from life? Because if you're viewing running as it has to be painful, it has to be suffering, the rest of your life is also going to exude those beliefs because we have beliefs in one area that typically reflect how we feel about everything. Right. So when did you start feeling like life could be easy in the sense of, Mm. I could feel more like this could be an enjoyable process that is going to take me on a ride. Yeah. Mm. Man, I don't know if I ever say life would be easy <laughs> or life is easy. I think I like I think life can be tough, but um I don't know. That's a good question. I think probably like I would say probably around the same timeline that uh that like running started to feel easier and I got more used to it. And it's probably just like a, a checkpoint mentally in life where I'm like Maybe that turning point of, okay, running doesn't have to be a suffer fest every day. I can go out and kind of enjoy it. Life doesn't have to be this like gritty, hard thing all the time. Maybe we'll just like enjoy the day. Like we'll, we'll go do whatever. So I don't know, maybe around the same time they kind of were in line. And I feel like that that's why running is such a good, like tangible way to see that because um, it's like the lessons I learned in running is just, it's so directly correlated to what I do in life. And, and how I treat everyday life. So I, I always think of them as in parallel. Like, however I'm, uh, however I'm, what is the word I'm trying to say? Uh, performing. However I'm performing in life. Oh, gosh. Lost my train of thought. However I'm performing and running, I feel like is almost how I'm performing in life too. Yeah. It's like, there's, a, there's definitely a strong correlation where the more patience and more fitness I build in running the more patience and fitness, quote unquote, I build in life. I don't know. Have you gotten injured? Uh, when I first started, I got like shin splints and gotcha. like some like plantar fasciitis in my foot. And I had like runner's knee and both knees, but it was never anything that like completely prevented me from running. Um, so not, not really injured, maybe just like hurt here or there. Yeah. The reason yeah. why I ask is because when 
you put your identity of like how I'm performing in life is equal to this activity. <laughs> Maybe that's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, inevitably, my grandpa is 86 years old, God bless him, and he can't run anymore and right. ran marathons right. his life. And it's like, he still finds enjoyment in life. And I guess maybe you figure out the new normal. Um, but it's always a tricky thing when you're tying your feeling about the entire thing to one thing. Right. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I, I, I miss said that of like, I don't, I don't think, say I have a shitty run. I don't think my day is going to be shitty. I'm a shitty person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think that's true. I think it, it goes in like the positive direction. Like if, as long as I'm, it, it just seems like. Hmm, maybe there's there's correlation but not causation. Like hmm. maybe as I'm continuing to to learn more about myself and running and, and build more fitness and and patience and all this stuff and running, I can use that to better myself and and life and and everyday things. But I don't know if it's a cause of that necessarily, but maybe just co correlation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, and maybe like maybe I progressed so far into running and then I and then I make so much progress in life that like, I don't need to have that anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense or not. <laughs> it does. And I, from what I understand is like the, as I've run more, my consciousness has grown. Yeah. And when my consciousness has grown, I feel better. I feel happier. I feel more joy. I feel more loving of life. So is that running or is that other things or is that both? Or is it correlated? Is it causated? I don't know. But I just know running makes me feel good, and I'm grateful yeah. that it's in my life. And the more I run, the better I feel. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, my fiance and I, make vision boards every year. Wow, it's beautiful. Every January, it's it's fun. It's like we make our own, um, but we like sit down on the floor. We get a bunch of magazines, like cut out stuff, glue it on a board. Uh, I think the visualization is powerful for sure. Uh, we did it last year for the first time, and the vast majority of stuff that I put on my board came to fruition in some aspect. And so we did it again this year. And uh, one of the things I put on there was active equals happy. Cause I, when I saw that, I was like, made me realize like the happiest moments in my life are when I'm doing something active, whether I'm out on a run with somebody or even a run by myself, or if I'm like hiking a mountain with somebody, or if I'm uh, cold plunging in sauna, uh, doing sauna with a friend or something like the times when I'm the most present, the most happy and where nothing else seems to matter is when I'm doing something physically active. And so that was like a powerful realization. Uh, I literally just saw it in a magazine as we were flipping through, trying to find things that resonated. I saw that, cut it out, put it on my board. And I was like, man, that's like, yeah, that's something I just want to lean into even more is like, just be active every single day to some extent, whether it's take the dogs for a walk or go plunge and sauna, just do something uh, physical every single day. And I, I think that's something that a lot of people miss in their everyday lives. Because um, it's like, I mean, it sounds better to just sit on the couch and, and not go for a run or not go for a walk. Like it's more comfortable to, to not do that. But I think we need it. I think humans physiologically just need the exercise, need the movement um, for a number of reasons. Like Mentally, I mean, there's hormones and chemicals and, and things that get released when you exercise. And, and obviously, physically, our bodies need blood flow and they need oxygen and all this stuff. And so if you don't ever get that or, or give that to your body and your brain, again, I think it's no surprise that, that like mental disorders and obesity and like the unhealthiness, all these numbers are up more than ever. Um, I think a lot of it is linked to inactivity for sure. Absolutely. And so tell me about the vision board as a whole. Like, mm. why'd you do that? What was the, the start of it? And what came to fruition by virtue of you putting them out there for the first year? 
Yeah. Um, so the the family that uh, my fiance works for, she's a nanny for them. They do it every year. So she kind of got the idea from them. I've seen people do vision boards, but they had like 30 magazines left over from when they did it. And she just brought them home. She's like, hey, we're going to make vision boards. I was like, all right, let's do it. And uh, after seeing one, how fun it was, it was like a cool bonding experience last year with her. Um, and then being able to just look at this physical thing on the wall every single day and like... It, like if you looked at it, you, Danny, like you probably wouldn't, it would make you feel nothing be, because you're like, why is there a tiger on here? Like, <laughs> tigers are cool, I guess. But like I cut out that tiger because it like made me feel something. And so that's, um, it's powerful to just be able to look at something every day and get like a little reminder of like, oh, why should I keep doing this? Why should I keep moving forward with this? Like what's the, what's the motivation? And so I think, uh, I think people are like very visual creatures and emotional obviously but um being able to see something especially if it's physical tangible i think i think that makes a big difference um so yeah i like having something it's like right next to my desk where i work every day i just look up at it occasionally and like i don't know it makes me feel something even just thinking about it like really it makes me feel like inspired to go out and just start moving and, and taking action on things what's the tiger represent um i guess to put it into words like boldness like like have um like just the way you present yourself like be a bold person and the way you act and uh i don't know if bold's the right word maybe like stoic like it's a very stoic looking tiger and uh just like power like powerful um and I, I, all these like buzzwords basically of just like reminders to to present yourself in like a very stoic kind of way i guess I don't know. It's hard to put into words. You're doing a great job. But if I look at it, it like it makes me feel something, but trying to put it into words is a little bit tougher. Um, and there's some more like straightforward things like where I put active equals happy, like mm -hmm. the actual words, like that's easy. But trying to think what else I have on there. Um, well, well, I just yeah. want to, I just want to stop you real quick. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also do want to get to what you, yeah. what other things are on there. I mean, there's like 40 things. I don't need to go through all of them. Sure. But, <laughs> but, but the importance of putting to words the feeling that we get from specific things says something important about what is hitting us. And we often don't stop to ask ourselves, why do I value Jeremy Miller? What is it about him that is lighting me up and is exciting me about the possibility for life? Right? Yeah. We don't stop. We just are like, that person's cool. That person's cool. Oh, and like, yeah. okay. But like, why do we value person X, person Y, because you get to the root and it helps uncover something about you, right. this specific version of reality that is experiencing something and is feeling something and sees that tiger and is like, I need to be that fucking tiger, <laughs> right. right? Like that is something that is worth studying yeah. for anyone. If you feel a feeling of impulse, of excitement, of this, like learn and try to put to words the very thing that you are, tr or that is lighting you up inside. Yeah, that's good. I like that, dude. Making me get excited over here. <laughs> yeah, because it's real. Yeah. Because we know. Because right. if we value what other people value, yeah. If we value, oh, all right. Everyone likes Jake Paul, so I'm gonna like Jake Paul. Okay, you you like Jake Paul, but you don't understand why you like Jake Paul. Now you're. It could be, I like popular culture and I like when things are seen widely and I like when things are seen widely, that makes me feel like I'm connected to all things, right? Like I like Jake Paul versus I'm connected to all things is an entirely different reality that helps you understand yourself better, yeah. right? That's good. Yeah. I uh, I think that's important to 
to just stop and ask yourself why. Like the other day, my my friend and I were talking about um, like if you had infinite money and you could just retire, quote unquote, mm-hmm. what would you do with your time? Like what what would you do with all this money you had? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I've never actually thought about it. It's like you're always chasing, like, oh my gosh, I would love if I had infinite money. But if you actually got infinite money, what would you do with it? Like I don't think most people know. Um, so it's like we go after these things, we value these things, but we don't ever really ask ourselves why or know the answer of why. But unless you take the time to really think about it and meditate on it, I think that's so important. Um, yeah, that's good. So I got to think more about this tiger thing. I, I think while you're saying that, maybe um, maybe it's like part of, of insecurity of like, I don't think tigers are very insecure. I, would, I wouldn't imagine they are. So maybe it's a representation of like, be confident and like be bold and assured in your thoughts and in your feelings. Maybe that's, maybe that's my interpretation of it. I love that. Yeah. And feeling that and understanding, okay, I like a tiger because it's bold. And then feeling a layer deeper of like, I like boldness because boldness represents the insecurity in me, the kid in me who wouldn't be bold. Right. That's an entirely new understanding of oneself yeah. that allows ourselves to come to greater um, depths of acting like a tiger because you understand yourself better. That's good. This is powerful. <laughs> That's what we do around <laughs> here. We're just straight power. You I know? love that. So, so going back to the the vision board, yeah. what else is on there that that is exciting to you? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I have a lot of mountains. I love the mountains. I grew up in Wyoming. Um, grew up in the mountains, and uh, obviously Austin, Texas, doesn't have uh, a lot of mountains around here. And same thing. Uh, this is very closely linked to what we just said. Is like. When I'm in the mountains, when I think about mountains, when I look at mountains, I just feel something like it makes me feel so good and like makes me want to like just go get after it and like start doing stuff and taking action. And so I've got like eight pictures of these different mountains on this board. And I've got the words mountains all over, um, partially as motivation because we want to move to the mountains, move back to whether it's like Utah, Colorado, or somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. Um, but also just like, I think maybe the like vastness and the the mass of mountains makes me feel humble and and like appreciative to just even be like alive while this giant mountain is out there and it's like that can exist at the same time as me because it's like whether you believe in god or nature science whatever like like you have to appreciate the the beauty and the the complexity of something like a giant mountain like mount everest or whatever it might be so it's um it's just like a reminder of that I think is, is, yeah, I love mountains. Dude. And and this is further explains why we get along so well. The podcast logo is a mountain and it was a a mountain looking up at one point. And then a few months ago, I changed it to climbing the top of one mountain to see other mountains that you can climb as well. I like that. And of course, Switchback Run Club, the logo is a mountain. Like (laughs) you can't write this story. This is amazing. There's something powerful with it, man. Yeah, it really is. And so what is Switchback Run Club? What's going on there? Uh, Yeah, Switchback is a, it's a community brand that my business partner and I started in August. Um, So the, the, there's kind of two elements to it. Uh, One, we, sell electrolytes for, for like endurance athletes, runners. Um, and then the other part is the community side of things. So we call it a community brand because we like to do in-person events, group runs. Um, like this last weekend I was in Miami cause we did a, a big group run with the run club there and just getting people together. Because again, like I said earlier, like the happiest moments 
of my life are when people are doing things active. I'm, I'm out doing things physically. And so being able to tie in running something physical with the community, being with like-minded people, like those are my happiest, most present moments. And so being able to provide a space for that for other people. Um, and then also having like a high quality product and fuel to go with it. Um, especially in a place like Austin where it's so dang hot here in the summers, like we sweat a lot, you got to have electrolytes. Um, and so, yeah. And, and the other thing too, is like with electrolytes specifically, there's only a handful of like good dose, like high quality, all natural, good tasting products. And I've, I've tried like every electrolyte product out there, like where they've been sent to me by brands or like I went out and bought them myself. Like I just wasn't stoked about any of them. So we're like, okay, what if we just start our own and like make our own product? We formulate it how we want. It tastes good. It's got, you know, natural ingredients, all this stuff. Um, and then again, being able to pair that with the community side of things. Um, Cause there are some brands out there that do a good job of the community, but it, we also saw this gap too, where like the brands that do a good job of community maybe don't have the best products or like they've got sugar in them or they've got like natural or they've got like artificial sweeteners or something. So we want to kind of fill that gap with like a good quality product with the community side of things. So beautiful. Yeah. It's like taking something that you have a problem. Okay, great. Solve the problem for yourself. Right. And then other people might have that problem too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a, I just read the Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson. Have you read any of his biographies? Oh, he's so brilliant. Yeah. Walter Isaacson, yeah. such a brilliant guy. I, uh, I read the, Elon Musk one. I just finished that one last week. That one's good too. You're a big reader. I love reading. I love reading too. It's an amazing thing. Um, You could just take someone's thoughts in a different time and space (laughs) and they get transported to your mind and they get edited. And so it's like, it's magic. Right. I love it. Same thing with podcasts. It's magic. (laughs) You are, someone is listening to us right now who's in a different time and space and they get the benefit of what we experienced in some way. That's yeah. That's that's magic. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they're a part of the conversation. You kind of get into into the the same headspace, yeah, as somebody, whether it's reading or, or listening to them speak. But um, yeah, I think what was the question? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah. Um, Apple. That's how they approached every product. Was like, let's make something that we want to use. Like when they made the first Mac computer, they were just like a bunch of computer nerds that, or maybe it was like the the Apple One or whatever it was called. There was a bunch of computer nerds that like wanted to make a cool computer. So they made it for themselves. And they're like, oh, what if we like sold this to other people? So that's kind of, as you know, being a, a business owner and, and creating a brand now, that's how we approach new products or or fine tuning our products. It's like, how can we make this something that we want to use? And then if we like it enough, likely other people are going to want it too. So um, I like that you, you mentioned that. Yeah. And, and it's funny because it's like people will, be like, okay, I want to be like Jeremy Miller. What did Jeremy Miller do? Okay, he ran. So then I'm going to start running. Okay, what did he do? He started a company. He's And then they start. And so, listen, I've done that as well. And I spoke to Mike Posner about that. And we were laughing at ourselves who have, have tried to be the person that we admire. And we all go through that version. Yep. And that's how you figure out who you are. And there's nothing wrong with that. I tried to be Goggins for a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> See how that worked out. Yeah. I got hurt knee. <laughs> and, <laughs> you put your attention towards it. You found That's it. That's right. And so um, I, I think there's also something really important to note about just following your own curiosity and understanding you are good enough just the way you are. Yeah. Like you're fine. You're good. Yeah. That's a hard thing to accept. Yeah. Yeah. But what if it was easy? Yeah. It could be easy. I think maybe you can get to a point where it's easy. Um that is a hard thing uh, to, because I, I think you can find inspiration in other people and I think you should, but you can become too much like 
other people or, or try to be like other people and then you lose who you are as as yourself. That's one of the hardest things to do, I think, because nobody has the answers to life, really. Like, I, don't, I mean, if, if you're... If your uh, goal is to make a bunch of money, then you can just find the person who makes the most money and just be just like them, probably make a bunch of money too. But like, they probably have other issues in their life. Like nobody can figure out every aspect of life. I think that's why we're humans. But uh, yeah, just finding inspiration from other people, looking up to other people, and maybe that gets you through certain seasons or it gets you to certain points in your life. But yeah, try, trying to just lean into who you are and and just, which is also hard because I think to do that, you have to know who you are, which is a very difficult thing to do because it, I think they actually talk about this in uh, psychocybernetics is like, uh, oh, shoot, I can't remember what I was going to say. Basically, like the, I don't know, like you, your influences, like you, you choose who influences you. Um, but you, at the end of the day, you're kind of just like the sum of your influences mm-hmm. and like what you let influence you. So, yeah, like our, like is Danny an individual unique human being or are you just a culmination of all your different influences and experiences? Both. And I think you can be both. Yeah, exactly. So like to say that you are, it's, it's tricky because we are unique people obviously, but you're kind of just like this hybrid of all these experiences that you have and all these different influences. Like, whether like if you if you watch uh like a David Goggins video, I'll just use his him as an example. Like you're probably going to get a one percent of influence from that. It's like whether it's in a positive or negative direction, you could say, "Oh, I want to be like that," or "I don't want to be like that." That's still influencing you in some way. What you resist is what you yeah. hold on to. And so that you we just always have these influences uh, upon us. So it's like it's like nature versus nurture, I guess. Like. Or like, would you still be the same person if you never picked up your phone and looked at social media or would you be a different person? Like, is that nature or is it nurture or is it both? I don't know where I'm going with this. It's okay. <laughs> it's wherever you're going with it is perfect. Yeah. Um, did that make sense? Yes, it did. We are some of our influences. Basically. And we are also unique beings. And how do you make the most out of your time on this floating rock in space while choosing the influences that are appropriate to you. And that's why I speak so much about love and light. Right. What do you mean by light? Light is the feeling of freedom. If I say darkness, it's like, Mm. you know what darkness is. You you didn't have to ask the question. You just said yes. I know. When I say light, light is the feeling of peace. Light is the feeling of, uh, there's nothing I need to prove. There's nothing I need to do, I just can be. I can be, I can come, I can go, I can do whatever I feel, I can set, I can do my word, I can feel just present in the moment. Light is presence. Do you think you can get to where you have like pure yes. lightness? Yes, I know. Do you think you're there? Yes. That's powerful. Yes. What makes you confident that, that you are? There's no resistance. Mm. What did resistance used to feel like? Okay, I came from this wealthy family and my dad and mom are successful. And that means that if people find out that I'm, I came from this family, then they're gonna judge me and I can never be a success on my own. Okay, this kid shoved me into a locker senior year of high school and 
that's the reason why I'm, I was insecure and started lifting weights because I was emasculated in that moment. That's darkness. That's pain. That's resistance. What light is, is I could talk about those things yeah. with truly no charge, with truly like, this is what it is, and I'm open and honest and feel great about it. And not only, not only do I, I view that poorly, I view that with love and appreciation for all of it, all of the negative things that I wish were different because they help make me this person who I am today. That's light. What do you think um, got you to past that darkness to the light? Being willing to look at the places I was not free. Being willing to ask myself, okay, why don't I like my dad? What is it about him that, I, that makes me feel uncomfortable? Okay, when he does this specific thing, I feel like cringing inside. Okay, why? Okay, also, what were the positive things that I got from my dad? Okay, how have I told him about the positive things? Okay, have I shown him love for the things that, does he know? No, he doesn't. Okay, how can I write a letter to him to let him know how much I appreciate and love him? I'm okay with the things that I didn't like because that is also part of his being. Is this your own personal experience? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wrote a letter to him that just like freed so much yeah. because I'm just like, it's all good. Dad, you're an amazing person. And so it's like, who is the people in your life you need to write a letter to? Yeah. And I don't just say that to Jeremy. I say that to anyone listening. Yeah. There's someone I know because I see it every day where 99.9% .9 of the people in the world walking around are holding some resentment or grudge to someone that they haven't told to someone else. And they're telling other people about how much they don't like this person. And they're not telling the person themselves. Yeah. That's tricky. What's tricky about it? Hmm. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> um, it's hard. That's why. Hard, hard things can be tricky. Yeah. Well, what's difficult about <laughs> it? Um, hmm. Probably the... May, I think people like to be liked or they, they like the idea of everybody liking them. Um, and if you tell somebody that you have an issue or, or if you tell somebody that like, I don't know if you consider that an issue with your dad, but like it wasn't, uh, like you needed to tell them something personal, emotional, maybe, um, there's a chance that they might not like that maybe. And so, I don't know, at least for me, like, I like being liked by people. I think everybody does. Uh, and it's just, it's hard sometimes I think to tell people something that has the chance that they're, it's going to make them not like you. So maybe that's what it comes down to. Yes. If you're coming from a place of judgment. Yeah. But not if you're coming from a place of love. Yeah. If you're coming from a place of, I love you and I don't need you to change. And also this is what you did that hurt me. And also this is what you did that made me feel so good. That's a different energy that has a different feeling. Mm. If I say like, if I say, if I'm trying to hide the fact that I came from a wealthy family versus me telling you that, which situation do you like more? The latter, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm open and honest and, and vulnerable right. and truthful about the things that have pained me, right? It's like, that, that is what makes people like other humans yeah, <laughs> when, when we are open and honest yeah. and yeah. when we are coming from a place of love yeah. and that's acceptance. Some, that's something I've had to learn recently. Uh, for sure. How? Mo mostly just because, um, I think maybe it comes back to like the imposter syndrome of like, 
I've never been like a very talkative person or like somebody who likes to share. I've always been like very hermit-like. Reserved. Yeah, very reserved. And uh, I've had to learn that, I mean, coming on the podcast, like obviously you wanted me to come on here because you're interested in hearing what I have to say. So I have to open up and be willing to share. Whereas before, and even like maybe naturally, I, I don't feel like I want to for some reason. Like Because I think it opens the door for judgment. Like you said, it's like, if I tell you, that like I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. It's like, oh, that's that you can judge me for that. And some people could if they wanted mm-hmm. to. Um I think it, and again, maybe it just comes down to like I like maybe it's just I'm a people pleaser. I don't know. I, I like I like when people like me. I think most people do, like I mentioned earlier. But um and when you maybe if you share too much, again, there's that chance that you're not gonna please everybody. That's what I've had to learn through social media specifically is like if you have a video go viral, it gets a couple million views, like statistically, you're going to get people that aren't going to agree or like what you're saying. And so you're going to get negative comments. And that's something it's like, again, like kind of a tangible way to see that is like the more you share, the more open you are, the more you open the possibility for, for people to not agree with you or people to not like you. And I've had to start to accept that of like, okay, you're not going to please everybody. You're not going to make everybody happy. You just have to be yourself, put yourself out there, whether you like it or not. That's who you are, I guess. What was the first negative comment that really got to you? Mm. I I try to not lean too much into the comments or put too much emphasis on them, but um, it's maybe like 1% of of all comments on social media are negative. Like the 99% of them are positive. Like, oh, this is inspirational or, oh, thanks for sharing this info, whatever it is. But the 1% seem to be the loudest. <laughs> in your mind. In my mind, of course, yeah. It's, uh, again, because you want to please everybody and you get that one comment and you're like, oh, I didn't get this person. I didn't, I didn't make them happy. Um, I don't know if there's like a specific comment that like stood out, but it's just anything that's not positive seems to stand out the most Yeah, because you want to make everybody happy. It's like, it's like a human tendency, I think, to just want to please everybody. Sure. Or maybe it's just my tendency. No, I, don't know. I, I think it is most people, but I don't think it is a requirement forever. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Because we can justify the behavior that we have as this is just the way it is. This is human, this evolutionary, we we have to be. Whereas what if what would it look like to love that comment? Right. And maybe you're not in a place of willing to because you haven't accepted it or forgiven that person, right. but you can. Like there is a possibility for that. And it's very, part of this process of feeling light for me has been looking at the places that have upset me and really sitting with it and asking why five times when that happens. Okay, what does this mean if this person doesn't like me? Okay, what does that mean? Okay, what does that mean? Oh, what does that? Okay, yeah. I'm gonna feel unloved, and I I feel like my mom or dad doesn't love me, and I'm gonna be unprotected, and I'm gonna die. That's where it goes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you go deep enough, and it's important for everyone to go through that process themselves. But the whole thing is like the trigger, the the thing that you're scared of, the thing that you're that is making you feel some way is actually the key to your freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's those little like bits of darkness you have to to shed light on maybe. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, is like find the darkness and and how do you flip the perspective on it, I guess? Because it's it might be there regardless, but how do you change your perspective to it? It's like, like I said earlier, of like I get to do this or I have to do this. You're going to do it regardless. 
but what's your perspective on it? I got to send this email no matter what, but is it going to be, oh, I have to send this email or I get to send this email. At the end of the day, you're still sending the email, but what's your perspective on it? Yeah. The perspective is, is so important. And, you know, I'm so like the people who are willing to look at themselves and people who are willing to come on a podcast and when they're uncomfortable with the fact of some things in their life and talk about like that takes a huge level of courage, vulnerability, um, just want and need and a uh, desire for a better future for yourself. Yeah. Like, because that is, that is the real work I believe of why we're here on this floating rock in space yeah. is to transcend our limitations, to remember that we are the same. Yeah. Yeah. I saw this video yesterday from uh, Hormozy talking about his decision to start creating content and, and make a personal brand. And uh, I think he was telling a story about his friend who kind of inspired him. Um, he was talking about like, doesn't it get annoying to have bodyguards and you can't really go out in public? You can't live a normal life because everybody recognizes you. And I'm, I'm definitely not on that level. But uh, like, you know, I go to like a running event, people like recognize me and I'd spend, you know, an hour talking to people because uh, I know who I am. But um, it's like, he he's like, it's if that's the price that I have to pay to have the impact that I want to have, then I'm willing to pay that price. And that's something I, th I think about a lot is like, he just put that into like good, concise words. But that's something I've been thinking about of like, I see people like Jake Paul this weekend. He had to roll up with like bodyguards and he couldn't really talk to anybody. He couldn't just go to this run club like a regular person. He had to show up as Jake Paul, have all these extremities and, and all these other things with him. Um, and I'm like, do I want that? Like, do I want that? Or I just want to be like a regular person and just kind of do whatever and, and not have to think about oh, I got to make sure I have my bodyguards with me or I got to make sure that like I, I look good and feel good and all this stuff so I can go out in public. It's like to have the impact that I want to have and be able to inspire people, I guess that's a price you got to pay sometimes. And so where do you currently stand on that? I think I'm more more towards like what Hormozy said of like, if, if that's the price you have to pay to be able to inspire hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people, like I'm willing to pay that price. Otherwise... It's like, then you're just accepting your own mediocrity, I guess, because I, I don't think you can inspire millions of people without them knowing who you are. Maybe you could, I don't know. Um, but I think if you want to inspire millions of people, you have to, those people have to know who you are. Mm. I think. Yeah. I, yeah. It's it's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to is like, yeah. who has inspired millions of people without anyone knowing their name? Yeah. I would, I would say like Michael Jordan's mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like. Someone like that, like, right. um, I feel like there's some maybe CEOs of companies that everybody knows the company, but maybe they don't know who the CEO is, but maybe behind the doors, they made some decision that enabled that company or that product or something to impact millions of people. But maybe people don't know who like that CEO is or something. Hmm. Cause it's like, you can be rich and anonymous. I, I've heard Hormozy talk about that too. It's like, you can be rich and anonymous, uh, and you know, to be rich usually means you're providing value of some kind because the resources go to where value is typically. Um, but I think it's harder to do that maybe as opposed to uh, being more outward facing and, and ha like having your face on something or correlated with whatever it is you're trying to inspire. Yeah, I, I completely understand and really feel why people resonate with you and your message and what you're about because you're such like a humble down to earth guy who really just is trying to do the best he can and is so open. And it seems like coming from 
the place of purity. And I really appreciate that. And I resonate with that energy. And I'm I'm not surprised that many other people also have resonated with that as well. Well, thanks, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to just be as genuine as possible. Like, again, like it's, it's easy to try and be like other people. Uh, and maybe, again, you take little bits here and there, but um, just leaning into who you are and, and not trying to be somebody you're not and not trying to like put up a facade of something. Like when I was in Miami this weekend, there was like little bits of this like pretentiousness and a little bit of like, oh, it just feels kind of fake uh, around certain people. And and maybe if you go to like LA with like influencers and all this stuff, you can kind of get that same sense. But I, I try to be an influencer without being like an influencer. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to have influence and impact on people without the like negative connotation that, that the word influencer usually carries. Yeah. Which it, it, like when I think of the word influencer, I feel just like fake, like, oh, you're getting paid to post stuff. You don't really use these things. You don't like these brands. You don't like these products, but they're paying you to, to show them and, and influence people because this brand has money and they're willing to pay you. And hence the term influence. So I try to be that without, uh, without sacrificing the, like the genuineness of it. Yeah. And you, you've done that successfully. And you, to, from my from my vantage point, I mean, and that's a, a wonderful thing because the feeling of understanding that this is a real human being is something that I really hope. And I said I want to get across to people of like, yeah. Jeremy Miller is just a guy. Yeah. Jake Paul is just a guy. President Obama is just a guy. You know, like even at the highest and, and the lowest of like, it's it's all just people all the way through. And I'm so grateful and honored for you to join me here today. And um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being a human being. Thanks, dude. Thank you too. <laughs> I've got a question for you. Yeah. Uh, I've got a lot of questions for you. But, <laughs> we, we can what, keep going. So you've interviewed like uh, a lot of, I'm not going to say big people. I will say well-known people. Sure. Um, I saw you had like Andy Frisella, the Hormoses, mm-hmm. um, plenty of other people that I can't think of right now that I've seen you interview. Like Smaller people, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peasants like you. Ha- is there like a common thread or, or a common theme that you find between all of these quote unquote uh, successful or like these really well-known people or people that are having the most impact? Like, do, do you see a common thread between all of them? I would say the first thing that comes to mind is they're deeply doing something that lights them up, like really lights them up. It, it is all across the board. And I don't know if that's because I'm doing something that lights me up. So therefore I'm finding people who also, there. there's also a sense of deep want to connect with people and learn from people and also a feeling of like for many of them it felt like they were doing things in their childhood that were weird or Mm -hmm. different or what's this guy doing like if i asked you that what 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 were you doing from 5 to 15 that wasn't like the other kids does anything come to mind Mm. um oh one (laughs) one thing i was thinking about is uh in high school. I guess that's a little bit past when I was 15, but adolescence. Sure. uh, I somehow was able to figure out during, I've now since learned what this means about me, but um, I was somehow able to figure out for like the last three years of high school, I had like a three hour lunch every single day where all my friends were just in class. I would like go to the gym and work out. I would go home, take a nap, eat lunch by myself. Like I'd have like three hours in the middle of the school day to just go do whatever, but I was still getting all the credits, like still getting A's, doing everything I needed to do to get through high school. But I had like way more free time than anybody else that I knew at least. 
And at first, like back then, my friends were like, dude, like you're so lazy. Like you're skipping out on a class. You're like, you're like, you're just weaseling your way to not have to go to school. And I'm like, I guess I am. But now that I look back on it, I'm like, I was just able to, I think, I think it's just like valuing freedom and like maybe sitting in class and in school and something that I didn't really care about, like didn't feel like freedom to me. And so I feel like I I've come to learn that I just really value freedom of time and being able to have control and power over the way that I spend my time. Like time is our most valuable asset. It's so finite and so limited. And so being able to do it under your own uh, control, I think is so powerful. So that's maybe the one weird thing that I did that, that I've, recognize that I didn't really see many other people doing. How do you, how do you, what was the loophole that you found or the? I kind of remember. I have to like actually go back and look, but I think I, maybe it was like a, uh, the high school was set up weird where there, you could like take a specific class and it gave you a free block in advance or something or like in exchange for that. I don't remember how I did it, to be honest. Um, and I think it, another part of it too was uh, you could do like online classes uh, through like the college. And so I would do like a really easy online class through the college in high school. So then I'd have to take one less class at high school. So I would, I would do, I would still doing the same amount of credits, but I would just have to spend less time in school. Uh, and that was like before online school was a thing really. Um, but they had like a couple offerings. So I think it was something along those lines. I gotta look more into that. Cause I don't fully remember. It, it just shows you're intentional about your time and how freedom was a core value for you back then and it was now. And I, I, that's what I, I found. It's like the people on the podcast, it's like they all value freedom. Yeah. They all value love for themselves and they are trying to achieve love for themselves through business or through uh, fitness or through running or th- like, or through meditation. And so like everyone is yeah. trying to find love and freedom. That's what I found. Yeah, that's and interesting. So it's cool to to witness and experience. Yeah, yeah. Freedom can come in many ways. I feel like uh, I, I feel like freedom of your time is the is the easiest one to picture or the the most uh, sought after one probably. Just because, like I said earlier, like we have those three buckets of time: things that we have to do as humans, things that we don't like doing, and things that we like doing. And it's just like. You still have that same twenty-four hour window every day. How do you how do you maximize the things that you like doing? And if somebody works a nine to five office job that they don't really love or they're not passionate about it, they're just there because they got a degree and now they're like sunk into it because of security and benefits and they got a family and all this stuff. It's like I see it so so often with people, and they're they're so afraid to leave, but all they want is that freedom. It's a it's a hard thing to try and achieve. Yeah, and I think what I found is that freedom found through external things is less valuable than freedom found through the mind. Mm. What would be an external thing that could bring freedom? External thing that brings freedom or perceived freedom is I can start this business. And when I start this business, then I'm going to have more time to just do whatever I want. That's like the external thing. The internal thing is I'm in this job that I don't like, but also like, wait, what's going on here? And like, how can I flip my perspective to enjoy this? What is the world in which I'm enjoying or I can see the purpose or meaning behind everything that's going on? Yeah. And and so that's my mission. It's like, you can be free in school. You, yeah. can, you can be free in a prison. You could be free working a job. You could be free in every moment. And I know that's hard to imagine, but think about your limitations. Right. 
the limitations, the darkness that we described, the resistance you have to life, what would happen if you let that go? And what would happen if you analyzed each bit of that? Yeah. You'd get to light. Yeah, that's good. It's subjective. Yeah. Freedom is just subjective. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it's definitely an internal feeling, like you just described. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't, um, I don't know if you can see freedom necessarily. It's just like whatever, whatever you do with your time that makes you feel free. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you love drawing and you spend 40 hours a week drawing, like to somebody that probably doesn't look like freedom because you're there, you're, you're doing that same thing. But if f- drawing brings you freedom and peace, like, yeah, yeah it's all about the light. I like that. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah, man. It's such a, a pleasure to talk to you and it's such a pleasure to sit down. I feel like this was a long time coming after learning about you and learning about the hat you got with the mountain and just your presence. Like it's truly a, a pleasure and a gift. So thank you so much Thanks. for being here. Thanks for having me on. I got to get you on my podcast next. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Do you have anywhere you'd like to send people to connect with you further? Uh, Instagram, uh, probably the easiest place. Uh, it's just search up Jeremy Miller. Um, you'll find me. And then YouTube, doing a lot more like long form vlog type stuff on there. Jeremy Miller there. And then podcasts, the Jeremy Miller podcast. Um, and my website, jeremymiller.io. We've got some like training programs and training app and some fun merch and stuff on there too. So plenty of ways to connect with me. And what is most exciting you in the present moment today? Mm. Besides this podcast? Yeah. Mm. I think the, uh, just the potential of growth for, for switchback and, and like potential of growth for my personal content and just, again, social media, the, the growth and scalability is so endless and so infinite that um, I just know that every day I post a video, it's like this one could hit. 5 million people. Um, it could have that big of an impact. And, uh, and same thing with the business is like, just knowing that there's so much scalability to it that we can keep having more impact, keep inspiring other people, keep bringing people together in the running community, in health and fitness, um, and providing a space for people to, to meet like-minded people and, uh, and just make themselves better. So I think the biggest thing is just like the potential for it to all grow. I feel like I'm just kind of getting started with all this stuff. And, uh, I'm excited to see where it all goes in the next couple of years. It's a beautiful feeling, the feeling of expansion, the feeling of possibility for the future of what is happening. That to me, that is just a feeling of joy. And so that you are getting to live in that experience. And then we have a timestamp for January 25th, 2024, as a way of, this is where Jeremy Miller was in this moment before X, Y, Z happened you're an incredible dude. I'm really grateful to have spent time with you and I'm excited to see where this all unfolds. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Likewise. Much love. Peace.